Welcome back to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. Absolutely. A, a lot of times when you get that phone call from somebody you haven't heard from in years, they're asking for a favor, right? And you haven't heard from them in forever. And you're just oh, yeah. like, yeah. And yeah, it was you, funny. Right. Oh, sorry, a few couple yeah. months ago, I had a cousin that, that um, contacted me on Facebook. Haven't spoken to him in years. Hey, can I have fifty dollars? Fifty bucks. You're lucky. Well, you're twenty six. If you're thirty six, it'll be like five grand. If you're forty six, <laughs> it'll be fifty grand. <laughs> Wait till you make some real pesos, then it just goes up. You're at fifty bucks right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but that's disappointing, right? It's kind of like, oh man, what are you doing? We haven't yeah. spoken in forever, right? Oh, man, it's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. It's kind of the norm now. You get used to it after a while, and it's just like, oh, whatever, and just yeah. shrug it off. Well, it's that piece that, you know, we often discuss around, you know, not treating people like transactions ever, you know, whether it's the waitress or, you know, or anyone, the plumber, it doesn't matter. They're not mm -hmm. just, a, they're a person. They're not just a transaction for your, you know, whatever, they, whatever your short-term need is. It's a different way of like doing life, right? You're investing in human beings and it does take muscle and capacity, right? You can actually grow that muscle as you've, as you've learned. Absolutely. Another thing I've been working on with myself is remembering people's names because I'm not mm -hmm. the best at names. I'm not. Right. And, it, and it's honestly, you know, I don't mean to do it. But so what I've been trying to do is after I meet somebody, I say their name like 20 times in my head. To make sure <laughs> and then also, you know, one thing I've always done this though, but just to make sure I'm more pinpoint with it is to remember the name of your waiter as you brought up, you know, remember the name of that janitor or whatever, just say their name. Don't say, Hey, janitor. I think you said somebody called you doctor and a message. Yeah, they always, totally. All the that's time. Not, that's not cool. We have identities. We have names. Yeah, totally. You know, it's really good practice. You know, the hard part when you meet a stranger is, you know, cause you're taking in all this new information and stimuli and so remembering the name is not the easiest thing. A lot of people are afraid to then ask if they forget. I don't, I'm not afraid to ask. You know, I'll ask about not just the name, but ethnicity. I ask questions that, you know, because I'm not worried about protecting my ego. And if someone says, what, you don't listen or whatever, all it does is it's annoying, right? It'll just give me more information on them. If I'm showing a genuine interest, asking, and then they're going to give me shit for it, right? Yeah. So I would rather ask. So I'm constantly like, oh, look, I, you know, I mocked it, but what's your name again? And then boom, then we're, we're, we're in. And that rehearsing thing that you do, that'll keep your mind, you know, relatively young till you're like 99 or whatever. Because I think a lot of times what happens when people have cognitive decline as they get older, you know, not in your 20s, but 40s, 50s, 60s, they're not doing that like learning new shit, memorizing names, learning a new language. I'm actually learning a little bit of Thai. It keeps you a little bit, you know, a little brighter, like, you know what I mean? Because you lose some of that as you age. <laughs> hey, how's that going though, learning Thai? It's going well. It's like, it's good, fun. All right, okay. <laughs> Funny, fun, I don't know. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's, I, I enjoy it. I mean, my wife, um, my wife and sister-in-law, they give me a lot of compliments on, so that's helpful because when you're learning a language, it's very difficult, you know, especially in middle age. And so it's nice to get compliments. They actually like it when I speak, you know, as opposed to making fun of you, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but you're trying to speak a different language and someone laughs at you. Really, mm -hmm. it makes it 40 times harder. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, my thing, I, I, need, I need to get Spanish down. Yeah. 
I wasn't paying attention when I was younger. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm learning more when I have people that speak Spanish around me. Like usually for me, it's just doing. So if you're talking to me and I'm listening, I can pick up what I'm saying, what you're saying. But when I'm on like, what is it? Duolingo. You ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Definitely. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> well, it's time for a Mexican or some kind of Spanish girlfriend, right? Because that's <laughs> a really great way to, you know, you immerse yourself in the culture, right? I'm around I mean, a lot that's of what Puerto I did. Yeah, Puerto Rican, right? I spent five years with a Puerto Rican woman. She didn't speak Spanish with me. It was really one of my Mexican girlfriends that spoke the most Spanish. So that's mm. why I say no habla, not a, no, no recuerdo nada en español, soy en gringo, right? I always say that all the time, right? Because it's like, I'm basically saying, look, obviously I learned some Spanish, but I'm pretty much a dumbo right now at this <laughs> point, right? I don't remember anything. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it's, you know, but it's fun to like have at least a little bit in other languages because, again, it's another way of connecting. Right. It's like when you know, you know, when you're it, when you're taking the time and the energy and the focus to learn a little bit more about a language, you're really learning their culture. You're showing a genuine interest in other. So another thing that you're going to be doing as you build out your career, how's the real estate going? What's new there? OK, so my next date is December 8th. Uh I'm proud of one of my fraternity brothers. He passed the exam and he said it was no joke either. You know, he had to take it twice. Uh, so, you know, I'm just buckling down. This time I am trying to take a practice exam every single day to make mm -hmm. sure I'm on it. Uh, yeah, that's so smart. Um, how long is this real estate test that you have to take? Mm -hmm. I want to say like an hour and a half. Because wow. there's two sections. You got the national section and the, and the, uh, the Connecticut section. The Connecticut, the Connecticut section is only like 35 questions, which is a problem because if you get something wrong, you'll fail. The national was more like a hundred, I believe. Right. Something like that. Wow. Um yeah, I hate I hate the test, but you know, I can't wait to get into real estate. Yeah, no, you're gonna be good at it because you've really developed this muscle around connecting with people and you're super genuine. So now we just gotta get through this sort of exam thing. And like you said, a little bit every day, even though it's uh, tedious, right? Once you get through it, you know, you'll be on the other side and hopefully you'll never have to take another test again. <laughs> like I've taken yeah. a thousand tests in my lifetime. I just don't want to take another test. Yeah, unfortunately you do. I think in the state uh, of Connecticut, every two years, I think every two or three years, you have to take another exam. They call it continuing education in order to keep uh, the license. Gotcha. I gotcha. But I don't think, you know, once you get through, it's probably supplemental in some way i doubt it won't i don't think it'll be as hard the second time that's my guess anyway once yeah. you're through it you'll be on the other side and you'll be building out your business and networking are you you're still doing the networking now though right it's just harder in the covid thing yeah um i wouldn't say it's harder because i do still have to go out to go meet with my fraternity brothers and meet with other people so i think i'm i'm, I'm pretty in the same place that i was before covid maybe the first two months when everything was on lockdown but now, you know, things are starting to open up, so I'm still able to network with everybody and everything. So it's good. That's nice. And what about your background as an investigator? How has that influenced you and your life? You know, how does that influence you currently? Way more observant of people. Wow. I like it, Ashante. Yeah. I like it, you know, but also the good, not just the bad, because I think as an investigator, like a police officer, you're vigilant around the negative. Are you also picking up the positive? Yeah, I also pick up the positives too, but you know, like I yeah. said, very observant. It's nice for me now to sit down in a room and I'm off to the corner somewhere just watching people, you know, people yeah. watching the things yeah. that people say. So what it's they amazing do. how much you can pick up, right, when you actually pay attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
So that's actually now, a good background, right? Yeah, it is. You know, the, the only thing I haven't figured out yet is remember me and you had the conversation about I can't tell when somebody's flirting with me. <laughs> I, I never believed you. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I still can't. Like, I'm like, yeah, oh, is she I don't just being know. nice or is she? I don't know, man. I think you're going to be able to figure that one out quick. I'm not convinced. I think there's a part <laughs> of your brain that just could, that splashes in that river called denial. She's obviously flirting with you, but for some reason, a part of you doesn't want to recognize it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's a high class problem. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like at least they're flirting with you, right? Some people yeah, never, right. some people almost never have that experience, right? So you're just struggling to recognize it. Well, I think you're going to get through that one. I do. I have a lot of confidence in you. At some <laughs> point, the light bulb's just going to go off, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I get it. She's flirting with me." And then the other one, mm, not really. Yeah, <laughs> not the case at all. What else are you curious about what we got you here on a podcast, which is a little different, right? Yeah. So anything else that you want to ask or that you want to share while you're here with Dr. Brad on see it and feel it? Oh, yeah. I want to talk to you about that picture right behind you. Looks like a nice little golf swing. Ben Hogan, 1950 U.S. Open at Marion, where he hit the famous one iron shot on the 18th (laughs) hole. That picture? <laughs> so I don't know who's watching this. Look, I used to be a caddy, and so I had to learn how to play golf so I could actually have some type of interest in it and know what I'm talking about when I was giving my tips. Golf is one of the most frustrating and fun sports to play. Yeah. You want to talk about a mental game? Oh yeah. my god, yeah, it's amazing. You know, we played a, a week ago. I played yesterday. I've been playing once a week now. And I played a week ago. We teed off at 2.30 at Abacoa in Jupiter. And we finished the 18th hole in pitch dark at 6 p.m. I literally, I hit a drive. It smacked off the club. And I knew I hit it well. But we Mm -hmm. had to go find the ball. There was three players left out of four. One guy quit. It was so dark. The other guy sat in the cart next to me, my friend. Right? He sat in the cart. He was too dark for him. And then this other stranger that we got hooked up with was still playing. Right. We both hit our drives. It turned out we were roughly 250 right center of the fairway. I was shocked. We were both within five yards of each other. We found the drive, but it was a 400 and like 30 yard par four over water. I hit a five wood. I cracked the next shot in the dark. I literally just had a trust. I go into self-trust, right? I cracked Mm -hmm. the next shot. It sounded perfect or whatever. But again, we couldn't see it. Not couldn't see it for any of it. I get to the green. My friend is now gone because he lost his ball. He's like, you know, I don't know, wherever he hit it, it wasn't near the green. I was 15 feet for birdie in the dark, and I pulled the putt a foot to the left and made the little par putt. I literally was high for, I was lit up the rest of the night. I was so high from literally parring a really hard golf hole in the dark. 430 yard par four over water in the dark. Two perfect swings, a lousy putt, and then a little bit of tap in, and then I'm I'm sitting there walking off like, you know, absolutely thrilled. So, yeah, <laughs> golf is almost entirely mental. It was all about letting go. You know what I mean? I said to myself, you just got to let go and trust because you can't see anything. So you're just trusting, right? Mm-hmm. Letting go and trusting. And that's a big part of golf where sometimes your best shots are, you know, just letting go and trusting. You're not, you know, obviously you have to have decent form. So you need to be able to play the physical aspects of it, meaning learn, get enough lessons under your belt whatever that is, so that you're not physically no good, you know, but once you get to a place where your swing is decent, it becomes about just letting go and trusting, you know, each shot is just 15 seconds of pure focus. And then boom, you let go in between. 
and now you're back to your 15 seconds if you're focused, you're set, you know, your pre-shot routine and so on. But yeah, I love the game. Yeah, because I remember me, I wasn't trusting my shot. My balls were going in the woods. They, <laughs> it was bad. It was really, really bad. Well, part of it probably was you didn't have, like you didn't work on the correct swing. I took 10 lessons when I was 18, and then I took three lessons when I was 40. So I, you know what I mean? And I've, I've, I've sort of grooved my swing. I don't swing that hard, so I, I can really trust it. And then it's just a question of whether my putting stroke comes or goes because I don't have a lot of time to practice. So some days it's there and some days it's you know not there at all. So short game can really disappear if you're not practicing. But the other parts of your game, um, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, if, if you're not playing that often, if you have a lot of self-trust and a lot of mental discipline, you can play pretty well, right? Yeah. But you mm -hmm. want to get to a place where you're, like I've talked to you about this for business, right? It's just a great way of building relationships. So it's worth putting the time in, getting a few lessons, getting a decent swing, and then you get to practice that swing. Yeah. What else, Shashante, while we got you? Uh, I think that's about it. All right. Well, welcome to See It and Feel It. I'm Dr. Brett. I'm here with Ashante McPherson, all-around good guy, future real estate entrepreneur, former boxer and a rapper. All right? <laughs> master, what is it? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Well, you're on your way. You're going to master several <laughs> at some point. We're going to work on that too. Thanks for watching See It and Feel It with me, Dr. Brett. If you enjoyed this video, remember to like, subscribe, or share it with a friend.